Welcome to the Freshest of Work Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. We have a return guest for this episode, comic book writer Erica Schultz. As she just launched her Kickstarter campaign for their newest graphic miniseries, Didius Bouquet. What you'll see in this story is three sisters trained by their Nazi hunting mother. They must come together to help solve their mother's murder, all while dealing with their own issues with each other. It has this 90s grunge meets pop feel to it, taking it back to the pop culture many of us experienced in our youth. During this chat, I got to catch up with my good friend Erica while we talked about the deadliest bouquet and what to expect from the story and the Kickstarter campaign. It's always fun to chat with Erica and please go support the deadliest bouquet. I got to read issue number one and it's off to a great start. So after a word from our sponsor, let's get into this interview with Erica Schultz. Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Welcome back to the Fresh is the Word podcast. And we have a return guest for you. Not only she's a return guest, she's a very dear friend of mine. She's a comic book creator and writer. Erica Schultz, how you doing? Hi. Uh, yeah, this might be my third time on. Third. Oh, wait a minute. I think we... We did one solo, and then didn't we? Were you on with somebody else? Like, didn't you? I was on with somebody else at one point. We did. We did a solo one. We did one for M three. We did one for Forgotten Home, and this is for Deadly Bouquet. So yeah, I think this might be my third time on. Oh yeah, this might be your third time on her. Yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. I always love talking with you. You know, uh, every time we get to, see, you know, in the old days when we had conventions. <laughs> And, in the um, in the old old days when when people actually like saw each other face to face. Old yes. days, I was like, I, you were always one of the great people that I love to see. And um, how how's your cat doing, Simon? Oh, he's doing good. Uh, because we were just talking off mic about like how the weather's been crazy, so it's cold here today, so the heat's on. So he like presses himself up against the heater from the wall and uh. just like absorbs all the heat so right now he's sleeping in front of the heater like a fat bastard so my room is freezing because he's soaking it all in i used to do that as a little kid (laughs) (laughs) but you know he's not dumb i mean like that's that's the smart place to be if you're cold it's just the rest of the room suffers because 
he has to like absorb all of it. That's like his mutant power. He absorbs all the heat. Right, right, right. Yeah, you have a lot of pictures of him doing that. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm. Look, I don't have kids, so I have a cat. So you know, everybody who posts photos of their kids, I just do the same thing with Simon. I know it annoys some people, but like, hey, okay. it's. He's, he's, he's the light of my life right now. Right. You know, I got, I got Simon and my husband and like, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's all I got in this world. Simon is a lot better than some kids. Like, yeah, that is true. Right. That is true. Right. You got a Although really pretty room. Like, look at your room. It's really pretty. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So when this is my, my, my purple, my purple and cream colored room. So when, um, when my husband and I, we're living at our old place. We had this, we, it was a two bedroom technically, but the second bedroom was like a closet. Yeah. And the two of us would be stuck in this closet together. And my husband's a film editor and he has like a huge desk and he's got all these monitors and everything. And I had like this tiny little desk in the corner and I'd be like typing on my laptop. And if I rolled my chair back too much, I would bump into something. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Um, so in 2018, we finally were able to move. We bought a house and we each now have our own office. And this is like, holy, this is like a whole new thing. Like I can move, I can roll my chair back as Woo! far as I want and not have to worry about hitting something. Yeah. And he's got his own office and he's got like, he loves like transformers and like old, old eighties toys. So he's got these like big ass, like like glass cases of all of like his toys and everything. I don't have to see them and he doesn't have to see my crazy art. And it's so nice. I'm so blessed. I am so blessed to be able to have like my own, my own space. So I said, I was like, look, if I'm getting my own space, I want a purple room. And he's like, all right, we'll get you a purple room. So he painted this and it's like purple and cream. And I have my, my purple room now. And I'm just like, in my element, this is my this is my place, my my it's very calming. my, my, my yeah. sanctuary. Yeah, it's very calming, very like very pretty. It is, like... it is. It's like really nice and calming. And my mom made me this blanket with like it's purple, so it matches, and it's got like butterflies on it and yeah. stuff. <laughs> so you know, and I got like a little couch that you know I can take a nap on if I need to. So yeah, I mean, I'm this is like my place. I'm almost like I. I don't want to leave. Like, I don't want to go back into society. <laughs> like no, everybody's saying, yeah. oh, let's go back to society. I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to stay in my purple room and be happy. Yeah. Like, especially over the past few months, I've been doing spring cleaning and I really rearranged my whole, uh, my whole, my whole apartment and everything behind me is like what I want to be shown when I'm doing interviews and then also- And when, it looks great. And like when I'm talking, when I was talking earlier about entering the Twitch world, like I want like just things like that. But the rest of my apartment, I have like a bunch of things on my on my walls too and everything. Like that was one thing when I moved in here like over three years ago was like, I'm just, and I went ham on like frames like <laughs> to hang stuff up. But like over the past year, I've been like slowly exchanging what's in those frames with something else like i need to change up like i'm kind of sick of seeing this one thing you know and that, that, that was me three years ago you know let me let me get something that's into me now so i've like i've like switched out like half the stuff you know but like i wanted to make like i turned in my dining area right here almost into like a stage you know it's my little but it looks great and i love the back with all the different posters up and yeah. everything i think it looks really and the bookshelf is awesome right and then and then for my podcast setup is like is my dj setup 
my podcast setup, my stereo, and then it's all hooked to my TV also. And I have it all hooked up all at once. And then I got like one aux cord that pretty much is so long that it goes anywhere in the apartment. It's like back in the day when you had that one phone in the kitchen and you had the longest yeah. phone cord and you'd like take it into all the different rooms. Yes. So I was able to like get everything all in like one thing now. So now that like I can like play records, like I could play a record right now and it would sound clear to you, you know, on your end. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I was, like, so happy that I was able to do all this, you know. Plus, I gave myself more room, you know. Before, yeah. I was kind of, like, in a corner. I was like, eh. But, you're, like, cramped. And, it, and yeah. it, that, like, cramps your creativity, too, I think. Yeah. You know, when you're so, like, you know, you're stuck in, like, this little area. And, like, you can't really, like... I think you have to like physically sort of like break out. And that's why people always talk about like, if you're sitting at your desk for like five hours straight, get up, stretch, you know, move your yeah. body around. And see, that's, that's been another factor for me too, because for my day job, I've been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic. So for the past year, and that's been like so much better, you know, cause I have all this space to myself, my own space. And it's shown that, I know for our department, like it's a technical department, we've been a lot more productive working from home because we can just yeah. like, oh, like, oh. And you can take, and, and you don't feel like, and people aren't like literally staring over your shoulder. Like yeah. you don't feel like, okay, if I get up from my cubicle, somebody can see me and be like, oh, so-and-so got up like three times this hour. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. So all yeah. of that, like stress and everything, anxiety is up, like, now I can, like, I literally have maybe six different places in my, in my apartment where I can like comfortably work. <laughs> so like, I, I, I like that. Like if I'm not feeling like working here, I can go on the couch. I can go to this desk. I can lay down in my bed with my tray and some pillows propped up and work, you know, it's, it yeah. makes a total difference, you know, and not even just for like, my job for everything, you know, and I bet you feel that way when you're like, how, you know, how has that worked into like, just your creative process, having this, having this, this room to yourself, you know, it's, it's been great because what, what would happen is when we had our, you know, sort of like tiny bedroom, you know, spare bedroom kind of thing. Um, if, if I wanted to, you know, get, out i would literally like get up and go to a coffee shop or something and i mean we don't really have that opportunity i mean some places are yep. opened up a bit in jersey but not every place and i wouldn't have the opportunity to like sit in the coffee shop yeah and it's too cold to sit outside today um so i would then like get up and then go to the living room or i would get up and go to the dining room or whatever but that that always still felt very exposed yeah you know so I can like get up and I can sit on my floor or I can sit on the like little couch that I have or, you know, roll my chair to the other side of the room and, or, you know, I mean, look, just look out the window. Yeah. You know, and and that gives me the opportunity to sort of change my perspective and say, like, especially if, you know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm having trouble writing a scene or something, just literally physically get up, change my perspective and be like, oh. Now I got it. Now I've cracked that, you know? Um, and it also helps because um, I think that you need your own, you need to be comfortable wherever you are to really do the best creative work. Um, 
And if you are, you know, in an office that like you have like a jerk boss or like a jerk coworker or whatever, or you just don't feel comfortable in that space, then you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to give your best. And I think that that's really important. And like you were saying, like the fact that like you can get up, you can move to your bedroom, you can move to uh, the couch. You, You have these sort of other places where you can stretch out and really sort of change that perspective to, to give you another, um, uh, another outlet. I think that that's so important. I think a lot of people really are enjoying working from home. And I think that they're, they're sort of just sort of realizing this and finding this. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when, um, when things really start opening up and if people are going to be like, Oh, you have to come back to the office or like, no, you know, come back to the, like two days a week in the office and then the rest of the week home. Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to see like how companies do that and what like they, they choose to decide and stuff. You know, I, th- I think, I think a lot of the evidence is so overwhelming now about how positive like working remotely has been that if you're forcing your workers just to come back to the office when they you're just being a dick <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> it's like why man we've been successful for over a year now why do we have to do that right, right. you know i mean which is which is a real pain in the ass like i know some i know some people don't have like the technology at home yeah. or like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I have a friend who does CGI work uh, for film and television. And it was a bit for him because he's like, my home computer cannot handle what I need to do. So they ended up like, you know, the company ended up sending him stuff. He's like, but now that I have like the capabilities at home, there's really no point in me going in. So, I mean, they're talking about maybe doing like once once a week come in for like a team meeting yeah you know for a couple of hours and then you know once you have sort of like your marching orders go home go do your stuff and then the next week come in and present kind of thing so he's like talking about that he's like you know maybe once a week once every other week or something we're going to do that but now that we're all pretty much set up at home you know there's really no point Um, so yeah, it's really going to be really interesting. I mean, I've been teaching in person. I teach at the Kubert school three days a week and I've been teaching in person since September. Um, so that's my, you know, getting out of the house and Mm -hmm. doing, doing something and seeing human beings. Um, but, but for like the summer and stuff, um, I mean, I'll still be teaching some stuff over the summer, but, um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So Right, I mean, so, we have. Yeah. Sorry, go on. All right, so um, you have a uh, a new comic that you're working on. Yes, it's coming out. Um, you're doing a Kickstarter in May. It's called the Deadliest Bouquet. It's uh, it's about three sisters trained by their Nazi hunting mother, and they must come together to solve their mother's murder and not trying to kill each other. You know, it was set in set in 1998, so like. I, it's cool because like that's like our period of when we were young, you yeah. know, and uh, you know teenagers and everything. So it's just like, yo, I, I love the feel that you have with it, with um, you know, with the logos, with everything, you know. So, like, uh, you know, talk about you know your uh, ideas in creating this, you know, like where did this idea come to mind? Um, I was on the phone. I I'm I'm pretty sure I was on the phone with Liana Kangas, uh, yeah. who's shout a, out to an Liana. artist and creative. Shout out to Liana. I think I was on the phone with Liana, and I just sort of blurted it out, 
And it kind of, and, and I'm the type of person where I always have a notebook with me at all times. Like every room in my house has a notebook and a pen yeah. because if I come up with an idea, it has to get written down. Right. Um, and so a lot of times I'll just blurt out ideas and just write them down and not really think about them. But then, you know, I'll sort of like walk around the house and be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. You know, take a photo with my phone. Um, and I thought it was really an interesting idea. And this idea of like the the dynamics between these three sisters. I'm one of three. And there's always this sort of round robin of resentment, like <laughs> two siblings ganging up on the third. And it's like this constant back and forth. You know, um, even though it's not three sisters, um, I have a sister and a, and a brother, but there it's, it was always like him against the two girls or one of us against the other, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And there's, there's always this weird thing. And it basically just came down to like survival, you know, like <laughs> you, if, I mean, you have siblings, you know, like you have to survive with them, Yeah. you know? So it's, it basically came down to survival. So I wanted to sort of raise the stakes, like using that as, as a base, I wanted to raise the stakes. And um, I thought this idea of like, not just coming from a dysfunctional family, but coming from a family that is like generally generationally dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, so when I originally came up with this idea, I thought of it as like three different story arcs for each generation. So you had, uh, you had the three sisters that we talk about now, then you had their mother growing up um, right after World War II and uh, being part of this, um, basically clandestine group that is traveling all around the world to hunt Nazis. And then you have her parents, which were uh, part of uh, the French resistance in World War II. So I had like these three sort of uh, generational story arcs. Um, and I was, and I started and stopped the story a lot because I kept trying to find a way to make it all work. And I kind of felt like I was trying to put way too much in and it just, it was, it yeah. was muddying the water and I couldn't find a really good through line. So my fantastic editor, James Emmett, um, he used to work at Marvel. He's worked at 451. I mean, College Humor, he's just a phenomenal editor and I cannot say enough about him. And please, if you need an editor, which everybody does hire James because James is fantastic. I literally sent James like some stupid amount of documents. And I was like, look, I have started and stopped this thing on and off for like four years. I don't know. I know there's something there. I just can't find it. So he's like, okay, give me a week. And I sent him like a whole Dropbox folder of like half scripts, you know, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, and he comes back and he's like, right, I read through everything. I'm like, God bless you <laughs> for not <laughs> hating me. And he said, and I found it. I found exactly where you need to go. And he said, you take this from this and that from that and that whatever. And it just, it, the puzzle started coming together. And I was like, oh my God. And this is why I always say to people, like a good editor really makes the story better. Yeah. Um, and he was really able to say like, look, you've got tons of ideas here, but not all of them are really gelling. So these are all going to fit together. Take this and go. Um, and he really just helped out. And I was like, okay, now I have sort of a clear path to go with it. And so you've got these three sisters that uh, are all resentful of each other for all different reasons. You know, Rose is the oldest. 
And uh, she stayed home with mom, you know, when the other two decided, well, you know, this family's crazy, I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, Rose was the responsible one. She stayed home. She stayed with the mom, uh, with Jasmine, and stayed, you know, running the flower shop. Poppy went off and got married. Poppy's the middle child. She didn't want anything to do with her crazy family, uh, yet, you know, always kind of felt like, all right, well, I have to call mom every week. That's like my, my, you know, obligation. But then, you know, when Jasmine passes away, she almost feels resentful that she's sort of getting sucked back into this family drama. Yeah. And Violet just wanted to just like scorched earth. I don't want anything to do with you people. You're all crazy. She's a wild one. Yeah, exactly. Like you're all nuts. I'm literally getting on a plane and it's going to go to the other side of the world. And I'm not going to come anywhere near you people. Um, So they all sort of have this, you know, they love each other very, very deeply. Like only a family really can, but they really do want to kill each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you throw in the, the stress of a family member dying. And it's like, so you have the stress of like, and, and dying under suspicious circumstances. So you have this police investigation going on. You have these three sisters that are like, you know, one blaming the other for leaving 15 years earlier. And, and you know, it's just all this family junk just gets like rehashed and brought back up. And it just turns into like this like crazy, it's like knives out, but with less money. And I think a bit sexier, no offense to Chris Evans, but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sexy, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Oh, no, he's totally sexy, but I think Violet could kick his ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Something I noticed in uh, in this comic that also I remember you had, had in um, Forgotten Home was this imagery of, like, tattoos and, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, what's the idea behind that? Um, I think... I mean, I have many tattoos, you know, most people only see the ones on my arms, but I have them on my legs and my back and everything. And I, I find tattoos as being such an incredible form of expression. Um, and I think that they're important because they, you remember when you're a kid and your parents like would mark on the wall, how tall you're getting. Yeah. Like to me, that's what tattoos are like, you know, I was 18 years old when I got my first tattoo. So it's like, you know, that's a mark that I remember every time I see it, I remember, oh, you were 18 when this happened, or, you know, you were this age when this happened, you know, like I got one of my tattoos uh, not long after my grandfather passed away. So it's like, that is a reminder of him, you know? So I think that tattoos are so important um, in terms of marking milestones in your life. And it doesn't even have to be like a crazy important milestone, but just like a point in your life, you know? And so Violet, who is the, the, the irony of it is, is that Violet, who is the scorched earth, you know, screw my whole family, has this tattoo on her arm, Uppy, a Violet and a Rose. And because even though she has this persona of like, I hate all of you, whatever, she still knows where she came from and she still remembers where she came from and she still honors her family that way. So I thought that that was sort of an important thing. Um, and, you know, of all the three sisters, she's the one who's going to get the tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, like, another thing, like, the the mother had a tattoo that, you know, signified yes. um, being a part of this, you know, these people trying to, uh, you know, kill these Nazis and stuff like that. And it kind of remi- reminds you of, like, th- those are one of those things where, like, you get a tattoo just to, like, 
show people I'm badass and don't fuck with me, you know, kind of like, yeah, kind of like how exactly. like those like Navy SEALs guys who always had the same or army Rangers. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like arm, like Navy SEALs team six, super, whatever, like only like 10 people in the U S have it. Like could, because they exactly. will kill you with one finger. Like one of the, yeah. One of those things where it's just like, you got a tattoo because that tattoo shows that, um, yeah, I might kill you if you fuck with me. <laughs> exactly. And and the she has the the symbol of the French resistance which is what's called the cross of Lorraine and she has that on her hand um and it was this idea of like in when I was developing the idea of sort of this cadre, this group of people that she was with, they all had this tattoo. And the tattoo that Jasmine has when, you know, after the police come and they're looking at it, it's it's old and it's greenish and it's, you know, it's it's definitely been, you know, been worn out. But the idea is that when she turned 15, that was part of like your sort of coming of age is you were given this tattoo, um, you know, by this sort of like old man with the needle in the India ink and, and you know, kind of thing. Um, and so that's her symbol of who she is and where she's been, you know? Um, and that's something that comes back uh, throughout the rest of the story. Um, I really would love to, uh, and, and I'm really hoping that if this book does well, I, I really would now love to then go back and say, okay, now we're gonna explore Jasmine's world a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because we have, I mean, I, I wrote so much of it. Um, and I really would love to explore that and really show, we touch on it definitely, but I would really love to show like deep down, you know, how this idea of like, you know, yes, she was doing incredible things, but her family was still crazy and dysfunctional too, <laughs> you know, like traveling all over the world, doing all this stuff and being trained as this young age and something, you know, with forgotten home that I talked about too, was this idea of like, when can you let a kid be a kid? Yeah, yeah. And that is also sort of uh, a mirrored in this. Um, and that's something that I kind of felt me personally growing up because, you know, like we were latchkey kids, uh, you know, like when we were, we were, you know, coming home from school at six, seven years old, like with a key, nobody was home kind of thing, you know, making our own dinners, like that kind of thing. And, and, you know, and I think at a certain age, um, at, and definitely at a certain time period, you know, sometimes kids grow up a lot faster. They're forced to grow up a lot faster. Yeah. I mean, like my, my older brother, you know, he's six years, almost six years older than I am. And, you know, he was making dinner for me and my, my sister when he should have been just, out playing, but no, he had a responsibility kind of thing. So I, I sort of touch on that again in this story, as well as I did with Forgotten Home, this idea of like, sometimes kids, it, you know, they just can't have the opportunity to be kids because circumstances being what they are. And I think that, I think that sort of topic is, is progressing more and more in our, uh, in our society now, because, you know, we're still having that song and dance about you know, what about the kids, you know, in regards to uh, many topics about like gender and sexuality and these things that are, you know, quote unquote adult things. But, you know, the problem is if you don't start talking about them at a young age, when they become adults, they're kind of clueless, you know. 
So, you know, there is a balance between, you know, what you're talking about. Can you let a kid be a kid with exposing, you know, kind of slowly like, you know, teaching your kids about things they're going to experience later on in life. You know, there, there is that balance that I, I feel like needs to, that is, is progressing more and more in our, our, our society. Some people hate it. And some people are like, Oh my God, I wish like these discussions were happening when I was 15, you know? Exactly. And that's, and, and I think the pendulum always swings one way and then it swings like really, really far the other. And then gently it sort of like gets to like a nice happy medium, but you're right. I mean, there are so many discussions that, like you said, just, you know, people talking about gender identity, people talking about, you know, um, you know, I mean, there are so many people that are coming out in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. There's a great documentary, actually, that's uh, that was coming that, um, God, why can I not remember the name of it, about these seniors who were coming out as transgender, who were coming out as gender fluid, or who were, who were coming out as bi or, or gay or lesbian. And you know, and they're like in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And they ha- and uh, pretty much the one thing that they all said was, I wish that we talked about this when I was younger. Yeah. Like, I wish we talked about this when I was 15, when I was 20, because I spent the majority of my life, you know, hiding a piece of myself and not allowing myself to be who I truly was because you just didn't do that, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And like air quotes kind of thing. Um and, and having these conversations, I think, are really important. Um, having these conversations. But, I mean, obviously, you have these conversations at an appropriate age. You're not going to sit down with a toddler and talk to them about sex. I mean, that's – I don't think that's appropriate. But, right. you know, when someone's, you know, 13, 14 years old and they and they start talking about, you know, well, I have feelings for this person in my class, but, you know, they're the same gender as I am or I don't feel like – you know, the gender that you tell me that I am. These are things that are important that have to be talked about. And I think that it it will make people feel as if they're, they're living more of a fulfilled life because they're being heard. And I think that's a lot of the things is this idea of like, people aren't being heard. Um, And then they're like, okay, well, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm just going to shut down. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times when, when kids um, kind of grow up faster, it's because they're forced to. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like a lot of kids are a lot more resilient than you would think, you know, and you can like offer like these, you know, bits of advice, these lessons to them and they'll, you know, be more prepared to, you know, grow up, you know, you know, I look back at a lot of things going through my life. I'm like, Oh my God, there was so much bad advice given to me about everything, you know, whether it was dating, you know, sexuality, gender and everything. I look back and I'm like, everyone was a fucking idiot, dude. Like, (laughs) and I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, man, like, like a lot of it, like, and that's the thing is like, also in the moment, you don't always you don't always take the advice, even if it is good advice, you never, you never take the advice given. Um, One of the best pieces pieces of advice I ever got um, when I was in high school, uh, numerous things happened in high school, but one of the things is I got kicked out for a while. And uh, I, (laughs) uh, 
uh, well, there was this thing basically was I always had a go bag. And if I came home from work and the bag was on the front porch, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, welcome home. So I came home from work one day, the bag was on the front porch. I walked up, uh, up the street to the, uh, to the auto body shop, made a phone call to my best friend at the payphone and said, Hey, can you come and pick me up? Mom's not taking me in. Uh, and I, I basically lived at my best friend's house, like for two thirds of my senior year in high school. And I remember having, and this is my best friend of 30 years. We're still best friends. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with her mom and I was complaining about my mom and she stopped me and she's like, Erica, I'm going to let you in on a secret and I will never forget this. And she's like, you do know that parents are people, right? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, no, no. Like you're a human being and I'm a human being and I'm a parent and I make mistakes and your mom is a parent and your mom makes mistakes. Like parents are not superheroes. Like we don't know everything. We pretend we do, <laughs> but we don't. Right. And I was just, like, that was like mind blown. I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, and that's something that I try and remember, like now that I'm older and, uh, and you know, dealing with nieces and nephews and godsons and everything. Like, I try and remember that, that um, I don't have all the answers but it's okay to tell them that I don't have all the answers. I think that's where the, I, that's where the problem was, is this idea of like pretending like you knew everything and that you were sort of like the paragon of knowledge. When I think now, like if my niece or my nephew comes to me with something and I don't know the answer, I'll say, I don't know the answer, but I will help you find it. Like let's, let's work together and I will help you find it. Not that's wrong or that's right. Because I think that's where the big issue was. And just being open to these conversations and being open and being like adult enough to say, I don't know, you know, I don't know, but let's find out together. And I think that's, that's something that I think people need to, to, to sort of open up to rather than this like real rigidity of, you know, these are the rules, you know, kind of thing. So. You know, going back to the deadliest bouquet, um, you know, I really, I really dig like the logo for it. Like the, you also have the Evan Maher did the logo. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the skulls for each of the, the sisters too. Um, branding. Brand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like the past couple, past few things, you've had some really nice branding, you know, with, uh, with this and with, uh, Forgotten Home had some nice branding on it too. What's, and then this, you know, this takes place in 1989. Like when did you, like, we, you know, why did you want to want it to take place at that time? And what, you know, what sort of like, how, how does that branding kind of go into it? Uh, it's 1998, not 89, 98. Oh, okay. Ni 19, <laughs> okay, see, wait, 1998. 1998. Um, now I'm thinking, I was like, shit, did I fuck that up? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just got that so, switched. So like a couple of things that I've realized is that when you're telling a crime story in modern times, cell phones will fuck up your crime story so easy. Oh my God. Because, yeah. because, and that's something that I noticed in Umbrella Academy is that even though the story takes place in 2019, nobody has a cell phone. And I think that that makes things so much better because you can't just pick up the phone and call somebody, you know, it complicates things. Um, 
1998, I was 21 years old. I was finishing my junior year in college, going into my senior year in college. And it was, I mean, it was a fun year. Uh, it's also the year that uh, I believe Princess Diana passed away. Um, and it was also, there was this weird sense because like, you remember Y2K, people were like freaking out about Y2K. Oh, yeah. They really, toward the end of 98 and then like all of 1999, people were flipping their shit about Y2K. Yeah, yeah. So there was this weird kind of like conspiratorial kind of thing in the back of people's heads. It was also, um, you know, we had been, you know, you were celebrating, and I put that in air quotes, you know, 50 years uh, in, you know, 95, 96, like 50 years since the end of World War II and, you know, things like that. But there was this kind of a weird sense of, you know, what's the new millennium going to be like? And almost like an optimism, but that also like a wariness and a fear to it. Yeah. And also, I mean, I think the music scene between grunge and like the resurgence of like pop and yeah. like, you know, and you had like the bubblegum pop of like the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera's and the Sync's and stuff like that coming back. So like there was this really interesting um, musical, you know, mashup. Yeah, new metal. Um, and I, like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and I think that it just made this really cool tone. And also like the fashion even of the 90s. It was like, I don't give a fuck. Grunge meets pop meets like throw some neon shit in there and it doesn't even matter like wear a garbage bag and no one cares it was weird you know, that like everything that the grunge artist from the early 90s was wearing the 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 pop artists were wearing by the end but just yeah cleaner looking yeah they <laughs> didn't look as dirty and greasy <laughs> but it was the same goddamn flannel they just put it in the washing machine right same you know? thing man same thing and and like I I am unapologetically I will always have the T-shirt, the flannel around my waist, and the Doc Martens and the jeans. Like unapologetically, like I will be buried in that outfit. Um, yeah, I've seen you before so, in that. Yeah, I've seen you <laughs> exactly. It's like you're like yeah, I know you're always wearing Doc Martens jeans and a T-shirt. Um, so I think that so for me that was just like a really comfortable time. So I wanted to write this really complex uncomfortable story in a time period that was comfortable to me. Also, I mean, nowadays you like, you watch a TV show and it's like the forensic come back in like a week, you know, or, you know, you know, we've got, you know, a, a match on DNA in, you know, four hours. Or, no, I didn't want like all that sort of like really simplistic kind of stuff. Or they can get I a, uh, they can get a, a freaking, uh, an image of a person through the eyeball. <laughs> exactly like like i didn't want that shit i didn't want that shit i wanted it to be i wanted it to i didn't want it to be so low tech but i wanted it to be um plausible and i wanted it to be like not where you could just pick your cell phone up and and you know call somebody somebody or like bring up the internet you yeah. know like not a lot of people had email back then yeah right. you know right. like all these things um and, you know, one of the sisters has a has a cell phone. But I remember in the 90s, if you had a cell phone, you were barely using it because you had to worry about minutes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so she's like, she's like, she has a cell phone, but she's not going to use it because she's like, no, 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 I only have such and such amount of minutes this month kind of thing. Or she has to wait till so nine o'clock. 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I wanted there to be, I wanted there to be uh, uh, limitations uh, to the, um, to what the characters to, could do, because I thought that having these limitations would make the story more interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I forget who it was, but somebody said to me like, oh, you weren't even born in the 90s. I was like, thank you. That's so kind of you Aww. to say. I was, <laughs> I was like, when I was 21 in 1998. Um, so, I mean, so I remember those times fondly, but I, I also think that like the environment, like we were talking about, like the music and the fashion and everything, I think that that has that really allows it to be like, to look like this really cool looking book. And uh, Carola Borelli and, and Gab Contreras um, working on the art has just been like awesome. And I, I told Carola, I was like, look, look at Buffy, look at uh, old episodes of Charmed, look mm. at, uh, um, what was the other thing that I said? Um, oh, I forget what it was, but I, I basically, oh, like remember the movie Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I, you know, I just basically put up this Pinterest board of like my ideal '90s looks, and I was like, "Here, go wild!" Right, and and and, uh, and Violet kind of has like that uh, clueless look going on. Yeah, she's got like it was. What did I? Uh, Kevin Wada, who did the cover, just like oh, blown away, so amazing. I I said the aesthetic is clueless meets Pearl Jam meets Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the three like strangest things like just and and he's just like that sounds awesome. Right. <laughs> it's like you're the best, go for it. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, so there's like a weird like clueless kind of like funky pop kind of thing going, but then it's also like grunge down and dirty, you know, and you know, you're going to see Violet with a black eye and not give a shit. You know, like lacing up the Doc Martens be like Somebody try to break my nose. Oh, well, right, you right. know, kind of thing. Um, so, so I really like, I love the time period and I, and I think it really lends itself to the story in general. So I'm, I'm really jazzed about it. And, um, and we, we just started the second issue. So uh, I'm, I'm now like working towards needling away at that um, with luck. I mean, our Kickstarter, we're going to launch on May 11th. Yeah, let's and, talk about the Kickstarter, uh, everything that you yes. uh, is being included, and um, what's your hopes to do with uh, with everything, the plans. So the Kickstarter is going to be for the entire five-issue series. So we're putting out one big, fat 128. It's either, yeah, it's a 128-page book. It's got the fabulous cover by Kevin Wada. Uh, we've got five issues. Uh, Carola Borelli and Gab Contreras is doing the art. Uh, I'm writing it and lettering it, and James Emmett is our editor. And um, we have a big ask. We, we're asking for 20000 but it is for all five issues. Um, and you can get the book. You can get this fantastic print by uh, Elaine Grace. You could get um, n a number of different books. We're doing like a blind box kind of thing where like I'll pick a couple of number ones that I've worked on, like whether it's Mandrake or M3 or Charmed or whatever, throw that in the box kind of thing. Uh, you can get drawn into the book. You can get uh, pins and stickers and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and using that branding that we're talking about with the funky skulls and stuff. Um, 
And, you know, I mean, obviously people are supporting the book. So the book will definitely be there, but you can get, if you're a digital person and you don't want a, a, a big fat thick book on your desk, that's fine. You can get it digitally. You can get it in print. Um, we're really hoping that um, we're, oh, the other, this is, this is my favorite reward actually. So there's a great company that makes custom uh, sketchbooks. So I have a custom forgotten home sketchbook. We're going to be doing custom sketchbooks with uh, for Deadly's Bouquet. So you can get a custom sketchbook too, which is uh, pretty awesome. So yeah, um, we just want people to really know that this is a fun, kick-ass character and plot-driven story that is, uh, somebody described it as like painfully real, you know, painfully real sibling rivalry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sort of wrapped up in this murder mystery. Um, so yeah, so May 11th is when we're launching and, and we've been, you know, talking to great, fantastic podcasters like yourself and we've been hmm. doing interviews and stuff. Uh, if you want, you can follow deadly, deadly underscore bouquet on Twitter and on Instagram, it's the deadliest bouquet comic. Um, I've been doing all fun little animations uh, I've been, you know, dusting off my animation skills for this and doing like these fun little animations, making all these like little animated gifs for it um, and doing these like funky, like 70, not 70, excuse me, these funky like 90s crazy patterns yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, so I've been I've been having a lot of fun. That's what I do when I get writer's block. I'll say, you know what, I'm going to make another crazy 90s pattern for the book <laughs> and I'll put that together and that'll help sort of like clean the cobwebs for right. writer's block so yeah look, yeah the last few things that you've done had had some really cool branding and things that you did online to you know get it out there yeah i worked in an ad agency for about eight years when i first got out of college and uh i i was uh i did some copywriting and some art direction for an ad agency so i'm gently dusting off those old skills <laughs> <laughs> and, and like using them once again. Um, and when I when I left the ad agency, I did some some animation at a studio in New York for a couple of years. So again, I'm like gently dusting off those skills. Um, but I mean, my husband's a film and television editor, so I told him that we better have a really kick-ass uh, Kickstarter video that we've been putting together um, that I've got to like record the VO for this weekend. And then uh, and then yeah, I mean we're. We're getting stuff, uh, we're moving moving along as, as best we can. Because one thing I learned about Kickstarter is this um, this thing about like pre-launch. So we're trying to get together a pre-launch page. So once people sign up to the pre-launch page, once the Kickstarter goes live, they'll automatically be uh, yeah. notified and then they can just go and pick a cool reward and support the project. And yay, everybody wins. You get awesome comics, everybody wins. Awesome. I'm excited. You know, I, I got to uh, read the first issue and it's awesome. Pl plants a lot of seeds, you know, um, you know, yep. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes with that. So, uh, yeah, you know, go support that when it drops May 11th. Um, where, you know, you already, you know, told everybody where uh, you can uh, find that information at, but, uh, you know, where can people follow you uh, just to keep, uh, you know, to find out what um, you're doing? On Twitter, I'm Erica Schultz 42. I actually have two Instagrams. If you like cats and all you want to do is follow cats, then it's Erica Schultz 42 on, on Instagram. Yeah, do that because you get to see Simon all the time. And, and that's all you're going to see is like all these photos of Simon 
if some videos of him snoring because he snores like an old man. It is the strangest thing. Like this cat sleeps like he works a day job. He does, um, and it's hilarious. I love it. I want to hug that cat. Oh God, where is he? Let me get him. Hold on. Yeah, I want to see Simon. Come here, baby. I know. I just woke you up. Come here. Oh, he's oh, right there here. in there with you. Can't be too far oh. away from Mama. Oh, come here. He just woke up. Simon, woo! Here, I gotta get look a picture this, with. Uh, look at this big boy. Let me get a screenshot of uh, of all of us. You know, let's see here. Mm. All right, say cheese, Simon. <laughs> oh, My look at that! Boy. Look at that big chunk. Oh God, he's huge. <laughs> 17 pounds, 17 pounds of love. And you know what? And right now he is like burning hot because he was just a heater. <laughs> he's like burning my hands because his fur is like crispy uh, from being at the heater. Um, all right. It's been uh, yes. good. To, yeah. It's been good talking with you. Um, I'm excited about the, about the book. And also you've been a really great friend to me during this pandemic. Oh, Kelly, you're amazing. Shush. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, just need to talk with somebody, I shoot you a text and, you know, go back and forth for a little bit. You know, that means a lot to me. Anytime. You know that, Kelly, you're the best. You know that. I thank you so much for taking the time to chat about the book and, and promote it. And I mean, I wish you nothing but the best of success. And the and the setup that you're going is awesome. And I'm glad that you have like, ah, you got your space. You can stretch uh, it out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com, and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh of the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word, and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.